so we are back here on Process Portals, and we are joined by Lou and Kirk here from Flying Fish Brewery. Lou, Kirk, thank you guys so much for having us. It's been an awesome time so far, enjoying the beers, enjoying the environment here. You guys got a bunch of stuff going on. It, it's starting to pick up in here. Uh, we, we tried to get in before the rush because we don't like to, to be a bother or anything, but uh, it's really starting to fill in here. So thanks for having us. Well, thank you, Dan. Thanks very much for stopping by. Uh, Friday afternoons always start off a little bit slower, but as people start letting out for the weekend, starting to enjoy their uh, their weekend festivities, hopefully they get to start here and uh, experience some of our many beers that we have on tap. I'm very happy to have started here. I don't Absolutely. know about you guys, but very happy to have started here. Um, so, Lil Sarah, you can you tell us you know what what you do here at Flying Fish? Yeah, technically my role here, uh, the title is president, but honestly, I just try to make sure everybody that works here has enough resources to uh, sell more beer day to day and and feel good about coming in here and being innovative about the beers that we're offering to people. Uh, I joined the organization just coming up on two years ago. I've had some experience within the industry. Uh, worked for Yingling for about eight years, oh, wow. two okay. years in sales, six years in marketing. I worked for Oscar Blues as the national sales manager for four years and was presented with the opportunity to join here two years ago. Uh, and I, I, of course, I knew the beers. I grew up in the Pennsylvania area and I knew how solid everything was. So honestly, over the last uh, 24 months, we focused on innovation and sales and marketing and if you followed our brewery at all you probably noticed we've really changed our labels uh, we've offered more and different uh, compelling styles absolutely for the consumer populace at large and I was fortunate enough to, to hire Kirk here uh, it was a year ago in May I guess so you're you've been here about Come, a year yeah, and a half coming up on our anniversary yeah look at you <laughs> Uh, and he Kirk's, has not bought me any gifts, though. No gifts yet. <laughs> Buddy, uh, you work at a brewery. I think you've got a goddamn good gift going right now. The, the, very true. Uh, very intuitive. But uh, Kirk's come on board and re, uh, re-energized and revitalized our sales force and our relationship with our wholesalers. It's an interesting industry because I think often people forget we don't sell beer, other than here in the tasting room, directly to consumer. Our beer goes from here to a wholesaler network, and then the wholesalers sell that beer to retail where you get to enjoy it in your bars or at your beer distributor or at your grocery store. Um, so there's that first customer in our world is vitally important to our business, and Kirk is the, the front line to uh, make it sure they're on board with everything that we're doing. Yeah, see, you got it good. You didn't even have to tell what you did. He just did all the work for you. <laughs> Uh, the reason why I'm here is just to make him look good. So uh, I just follow in his, his footsteps. I'm glad you talked about innovation because we go to a lot of breweries and, and a lot of them are much smaller than this. A lot of them are, are a lot newer than this. And I mean, so I'm 31 now. I have to, I don't remember anymore sometimes. Thank you for the thumbs up. Math, math is hard. Forget. But I would say we probably got all of us together kind of got into drinking more craft beer not buying you know eighteen dollar thirty bricks like maybe like 25 or so i would say sounds about right give or take let's just let's just call it that it's not important when it actually was but we all grew up in this area and like flying fish was was even around then like flying fish has been around and I've, I've only been here a handful of times. Like It's kind of hidden back behind the town center, which is a little tough. And it like is. you said, you, you said you've only been here for, I think, two years, coming up on two years or two years, that like my impression when I started to get into the craft beer world was I'd go to the store, and I, and I didn't know anything because I didn't really have friends that were into it either. I was just kind of learning by guessing and, and picking things and finding out if I liked them. 
And my early experiences with flying fish were like, yeah, like what I've had from them is good, but these all kind of look the same. It's like this is an IPA and this is a, a, a pale ale right. and this is a, a red ale. And it's like there are there are nuances. And as I got more into beer, you know, maybe I learned to appreciate those more. But I'm sitting here today and I'm drinking a caramel espresso porter. I'm drinking a fried ice cream stout. I'll, I'll tell you that what has really brought me kind of back to flying fish is the salt and sea. Um, right. I absolutely love that beer. I'm, we're, we're a big sour podcast. We're big. We're big sour guys. Like, so when you say that, like, it's great because you know we like we want everybody to be successful and we want to have all the beer we can get and all the varieties. And it's nice to see that like everyone's kind of taking that step and everybody's not just making an IPA and a double IPA. Like, you guys have all of that still. We and do. I'm sure some of those are flag are flagships, but. Like, you know, the first two beers I had were a fried ice cream sound and a caramel ice cream porter, and they're both incredible. Like, that's the type of thing that at this point in my experience with beer gets me coming back because I've had everything else. I kind of know what I like for the most part, and it kind of takes those outliers and those experiments and those fun, unique experiences to really make me want to go time and time again and experience it. Yeah, Dan, I, re- I really appreciate you saying that, and I'll kick this off and I'll turn it over to Kirk. Um, you've really pretty much captured everything that we think about every day, and sometimes not only our waking hours, but also when we're asleep, believe it or not. <laughs> um, this is a 23-year-old brewery. Uh, Gene Mueller founded this brewery in 1996. Before he even physically had the four walls of the brewery here, he founded it online. Now. 1996, you got to go all the way back to the days of dial-up and yep. AOL. So all of us throwing yeah. AOL free trial CDs at each other yeah. and getting welts and cuts. But, <laughs> exactly. But he was smart enough to realize that it could be a marketing uh, mechanism to really communicate with the consumer. So before he had physical brick and mortar, uh, he was basically using the Internet to engage consumers about what styles Uh, they might be interested in, what names they might like. And from that, all this came to be. Now, how do you reinvent or reinvigorate a brand that's been around for 23 years? It's all of the things that you mentioned. And and honestly, I'm an old school beer guy. I've I've been in the beer industry uh, since I was 16 years old on the retail side. I'm 45 now. So guys like Kirk coming into the organization and, and really pushing the boundaries of what we've traditionally done fried ice cream, uh, we make an Irish potato candy stout, um, you know, the coffee espresso porter really, uh, Kirk pushed uh, the brewing team to make, and uh, they, they answered the bell, so to speak, so maybe you could talk a little bit about what you see going on out there in the world and why you felt it was so important for us to do the same. Yeah, so one of the reasons why uh, I was so excited to come here as an opportunity so I, I previously worked in uh, the largest wholesaler in New Jersey, Kramer Beverage, about, uh, I don't know what they are now, but originally they were around 12 million cases, so substantial in terms of size. And I managed craft and uh, specialty import brands. One of those brands was Flying Fish. And I always felt that Flying Fish had such a great name recognition, brand equity. But since we've been around for a long time, back in the 90s, the biggest styles that people were in preference were English and Belgian. Unfortunately, uh, consumers have kind of fallen out of favor in those flavors and varieties. So uh, it's not necessarily the most original idea, but certainly looking to the market and what customers want and changing our portfolio mix to suit the customer's needs 
was one of the dominant forces. Uh, it's, it's really exciting to be able to work with a team here that is unbridled to do any kind of new innovation that they want. Uh, the addition of Lou adding a canning line here has been incredible in terms of our growth and velocity. A lot of those brands have come into that format or even the 16-ounce four-pack format has been our kind of our experimental. So we've gotten a lot of new trial into a brand that's been long-standing. There's a lot of breweries that exist today that are in decline, a lot. And it's hard for them to grasp how to change because they've always done it one way or another. For good or for worse, Lou and I did not start the brewery. So we just look at a great place with great people and want to escalate that and return to a place of growth, which we've done. And it's very exciting. Uh, we have a lot of new innovation coming forward for 2020. So this is all the, the tip of the iceberg. But we have a great team that's able to execute a lot of these ideas that we collaborate on to, to move forward. So. so I'm curious because I think what's awesome about um, craft beer and a lot of people may not even realize it is that the beauty behind it is that these are small businesses and let's face it most of the you know people quit their you know accountant day job because they want to you know they learn how to craft brew their own beer that they think's great and they depend you know on uh how good their beer is to draw customers on so and i'm i don't have a business background at all but i could see where people have that you know dream and like oh i just want to have my own beer and brewery but like you guys uh, pointed to earlier, a lot of people, you know, people may not have that, you know, marketing experience or getting the name out there. And it seems like that's definitely not a problem here. So can you just talk to like, is that something that kind of attracted you guys here? And is that like we're, Kirk, like you said about some breweries decline, is it because they know how to make that one great product when it comes to all other business asset, aspects of it? That's, you know. Well, okay. So. I'll approach this from the macro and then dial it to the micro. So macro would be just business in general. The businesses that exist and are consistently innovating and growing with the marketplace are always going to succeed. Those that continue to do the same exact business that they always had and their consumer asks and needs and solutions have changed and you haven't adapted to that, that's where you come into struggles and decline. Uh, for us, uh, we, we are not uh, absent from challenges as well. Uh, we've, we've created so much innovation and so much growth that it's been struggled to either keep up with demand when we first launched our 15-pack variety cans, uh, as well as just consistently uh, TTB approvals, getting the right cans printed on time, all those things kind of structure with this, this nice growth level that we've had. Uh, but going into the micro, I came from a homebrewing background before I ever came to Kramer Beverage, which is my wholesale life. And then here as a supplier, most guys have the same exact experience that I had. I love beer, so let me try to make beer. Then you make beer, then you get drunk on your own beer, and you go, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and your friends get drunk on your beer, and they're like, this is amazing. You should do this as a company. <laughs> the problem is that as experimental and creative that is when you're first starting out on a very small system, you know, you're talking about five gallons or 15-gallon system, is that you don't have any of the process or scientific backgrounds. The one thing that we have here, uh, apart from a uh, full-time lab with uh, biologists, microbiologists, and our testing equipment, is all of our uh, 
brewers, some form or fashion, have gone to school to get degrees in varying forms of uh, chemistry or biology. Oh, wow. Those things are so integral to be success for consistency, but also is a living product. It's very much like milk. It has an expiration. So there's, there's a lot that goes into it apart from just let's make really good beer that people like. There's, there's so much more to make sure that it's a safe, quality product that people will enjoy consistently for a long period of time. And, uh, you know, it, it's just it's not easy to just jump into the fields uh, unless you start at a much smaller brewery that's looking for somebody to wash kegs. Then you can kind of work up your way in the ranks and then learn it on the job. But uh, for a brewery of our size, we need people who are professionals uh, with scientific backgrounds. I think the other important point to make uh, is perspective. Um, we advertised for a long time prior to Kirk and I joining the organization that we were the largest brewery in New Jersey. Um, we make around 20,000 barrels of beer a year, which by a lot of brewery standards is a lot of beer. Uh, but by and large, if you look at the perspective of where I used to work or where I came from, I mean, when I left Yingling, we were 3.2 million barrels of yes. beer. <laughs> you know, Oscar Blues with their acquisitions and so forth, we were pushing 400,000 barrels of beer. We're only 20,000 barrels of beer a year. There's only 32 people that work at our company in totality. And a lot of those people, six specifically, work part-time in the tasting room. Um, we only have 13 people that brew the beer and make the beer in totality, and that's it. Wow. Uh, so I think when you, you break it down to that level and let people know that there's really only a handful of folks that really touch the product that we're so proud of and that we're putting out there for people to enjoy, they're surprised because they, the perception is flying fish is much bigger than that. The, the other thing that's kind of exciting about us, because we're so uh, small, is, is not a negative. It allows us to be flexible and nimble. Now, we can't make a new beer every single week because we have system constraints. However, we still can play in the every other month something new, special, and unique, which uh, even for breweries our size can be challenging to do in-and-out kind of projects. So, so. A little, little bit unrelated, but since our friends Baby decided to scream, how do you feel about babies being a brewery? <laughs> well, listen, we're a pretty family-friendly place. Yeah, uh, yeah, you got to say that. To I take know, a tour, okay. to take a tour, you got to be 21. But if you look around here, you look at all the board games and everything we have. Uh, I have a daughter who now, believe it or not, my our youngest is 12 years old, and uh, we had a killer game of Battleship here not too long ago. So uh, we welcome all all families in here, babies and otherwise. No, yeah, it's great. I just want I just want to give give them some shit. And, and I notice you don't have monopoly, so that's good. Like, well, my only horror story is I won't mention the brewery, but you I think you were there, right? When I got mm -hmm. nailed in the knee with a ski ball. Yep. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was fun. Kid just sidearmed it and never so, even made it up the ramp. So I I've actually done this kind of conversation before, uh, and it's really funny because the people who are polarizing usually have negative experiences with whatever the kids are in there. I think it really just establishes the right type of parental guidance to, to corral your kids. Sure. I, I have a year and a half and a three-year-old. They come here all the time, and there's never issues because I'm watching them. You know, if you want to come here and just allow your kids to run around, then that's, that's your decision, but still... That, that can impact other people's experience right. in a tap room. So that's just how you specifically uh, are corralling your kiddos. You know? Sure. So, Ooh, wait, whose kid was screaming? Because 
Oh, that's our okay. friend. All right, because yeah, I was going to say, you're clearly throwing somebody under the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know you guys got to give the PC answer regardless, but you did it well. Um, to that point, in, in a real sense, so I know that, like having a lot of friends that have had to deal with this and whatnot, and in our experiences, obviously having been to several breweries, I always like to get an idea on the complications of, and I don't know how much you can or are willing to talk about it, but the way that New Jersey handles breweries as opposed to other states because you go over in the Pennsylvania and they can serve food, oh, they can have sports on, they can do all these things. And New Jersey, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, clashing between whether you can do this, you can do that, you can have live sports on, you can have TVs. And now there was a, like an amendment where you can have a certain number of live events, you have a certain number of food of trucks, things happening, like, like, you know... What is what do you think is like a fair kind of balance for that, or, or what are the complications? And how do you adapt as a business to overcome regulations like that? Sure, it's a really good question, and and I will preface it by se- the answer by saying that uh, our founder, again, Gene, has done more to advocate for breweries in this state than anybody else because he's been there kind of since the beginning of the craft beer revolution, so to speak. Um, I guess the way that we look at it overall is the tasting room in New Jersey was meant to be a place where people could come in, engage your employees and your people, talk about your beer, taste your beer, and have a one-to-one conversation with the people that are making decisions as to what is coming next. Not dissimilar from what I mentioned previously when Gene was online, if you think about it, on AOL, having those same discussions. It's, again, I'm a PA resident, so I, it took me a little while to understand the nuances and differences here in the state of New Jersey. When you go to a PA brewery, there's food, uh, there might be outside alcohol, or alcohol from Pennsylvania, but uh, it's a very different experience there versus here. Um, as you referenced, Dan, some of the laws have changed or some of the interpretation of the laws have changed. You now look around our tasting room here and we have four TVs versus the that. two that we used to have. We have the the largest allowable TV by law, which is 65 oh. inches on the far wall from okay. where we're sitting, which looks tiny based based on the size of that wall. <laughs> but uh, you know, we're Not we're right prepared. exactly we're we're stretching the limits, right? But I'll no, just we're stand not. here and watch TV. Exactly. <laughs> so I guess in our world. Uh, we had talked about it a little bit earlier. We still we still sell beer in only four states primarily, and we just entered a fifth. So it's PA, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland. Those are kind of the legacy states. And we just recently entered West Virginia. So the majority of our focus of our sales of our beer are outside of these brewery walls. Wow. Uh, and we look at this space very much as a marketing tool. And as you pointed out before, we're a little off the beaten path, so to speak. Summerdale's a very small town. Uh, we're tucked in off the main road that goes through the town. Uh, we welcome people here all the time, and we try to do activation to bring people here. But we view this space not so much as a bar, but as a place where people can experience who we are, experience our beers, get a little bit of our culture, and hopefully buy our beers uh, outside where wherever they enjoy beer, uh, whether it's at a sporting event or in a backyard barbecue or just at a gathering with a bunch of friends. So that's a great way to put it. So this is, ba- it's almost like, you know, like surveying market research rather than considering it like a bar. Exactly. It's how you have to look at yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it depends on what your business model is, right? You've been to many different types of breweries and some breweries prefer to be more of a tap room environment 
And that's a different business model than what we operate in. We really try to be outside these four walls. That doesn't mean that we're not excited about the legislative changes because it's allowed us to have a Fish Olympics, which was a giant 80 person team uh, outside all these events, oh like boy. super fun during the summer, which would not have existed without legislative change. So. Uh, we embrace those things, but also as stewards of being one of the larger ones, we, we try not to skirt or upset legislation. We try sure. to just go with it. But embracing it, we never were allowed food here, minus some food trucks. Uh, having food here is integral for people yeah. just to, and it's all prepackaged snacks, but that stuff is huge for if people want to enjoy themselves and enjoy responsibly. That's that's important. So yeah. See, I... I got a great idea because I didn't realize I was talking to a president today. That's going to be great. And I know the word resources is a fancy way of saying money. But if you pay me, <laughs> my mom always wanted me to go to law school. If you pay for my law school, I'll become a craft beer lobbyist for you. Well, we'll I, talk after the pod. Buddy, but I just want to throw it Resources can yeah. be draft picks. They can be assets. They can be a lot of things. It's not just money. They could be beer. I like that a lot. And, and craft it's beer lobbyists. We share, we share more in common than you would even know because uh, I went to I went to college at Penn State for administration of justice. And for a long time, I was going to go to law school. And my parents initially were like, "You're just going to stay in beer? That's not what we paid for." But <laughs> right. Uh, in my case, it seems to have worked out on on the beer side of things a little bit, but laws, I feel like he just said "suck it, mom and dad" like <laughs> yeah. real subtly. That's not true. There's everything's been real subtle on that Bruce side of the couch, uh, and then you got the two lobby. most yeah. blunt jerks in the world over here. <laughs> uh, so, no, I appreciate that. Uh, so, so going from you know what you can and can't do, and, and it sounds like you guys have made the most of what has been expanded for you, which is awesome, yeah. and, and, it, and it shows here, because obviously people hearing this, I mean, we did do a little bit of a live stream prior, but for people who are just hearing this, I mean, you can hear the noise. This place is packed. There's Bago in here. The TVs are up. Like, people are hanging out. Like, that's the thing that, that we love about going to places like this and why we feel like we get a better experience doing this. You know, when we started, we were going to the stores and buying the beer from, you know, the distributors putting it there and going back to my basement and going, hey, this is the podcast and we're drinking this beer. And it's like, that's cool. We're still showcasing it. But now we get to be here. We get to get a feel for the environment. We get. It's hard to tell people over the air, hey, this beer tastes good. You should try it. Now we get to come here and be like, we're in the building. Like, you can come here and get this fantastic beer and you can also experience what they have to offer. So, like, that's the part that I like about it. So, leading into that... You know, do you guys have anything coming up? Like you mentioned, you do th this Olympic thing. I'm sure that that probably passed because that seems like a seems like a bad time of year to be doing that kind of thing now. But do you guys have anything coming up that people could look forward to if they were interested in coming and checking the place out? Is there something specific they could pencil in to maybe come see? We do. We always have some uh, special beer releases. We're actually surrounded by some barrels where we're sitting right now. We are. Uh, Dad's had even barrels. Gimmick, even gimmicked one of the table here. Exactly. Um, we'll do some, we, we release a beer uh, typically the day after Thanksgiving, so Black Friday, while people are out shopping and doing what they do. Uh, if you're not into that sort of thing, or, or even if you are into that sort of thing and need some and liquid need encouragement, uh, we release a beer typically on that Friday uh, called Fishing with Dad. Ah. Those, those barrels around us are filled with uh, blueberry braggot. And they're aged in dad's, dad's hat barrels. What is Braggot? Blueberry Braggot. Braggot is a specific style of beer. So you've heard of a mead, yes. which would be like a honey-based brew. 
Uh, Braggot is part honey-based and part ale, regular okay. fermented beer. Um, so Blueberry Braggot is in those barrels, and we release it um, that Friday after Thanksgiving. And fishing with Dad has become a popular thing for people to okay. come and buy. Is that, is that bottled or is that on tap? Uh, we do bottles of it primarily to go, and then every once in a while we'll put a, a sixthal on. It'll be on a sixthal that Friday. Okay. But by and large, might be back. Yeah, by and large, uh, <laughs> by and large, the holidays are, are a fun time for people to stop in and and you know bring friends here, bring family here, uh, have a small holiday party here, so to speak. So we don't do any. Uh, specific programming until after the holidays. Uh, you, you mentioned that there's Bago here, and we'll have a cornhole league going on uh, in the winter time inside, where we'll put a, a couple of different, a couple of different lanes will be set up and have a little bit of a tournament in the season, and declare a winner at the end of about a six to eight week season. Okay. And in in terms of uh, another beer, big brand that's going to come out for us. It's going to start getting staged really in December, so our customers will be able to try it here, and in some limited markets will be Hazy Bones. So uh, 6.3% New England-style IPA, core from us, 6-pack 12-ounce, and draft. So that is a big, big launch for us in 2020, but it really gets launched uh, a little bit seeded in December. Uh, so we're, we're very excited about that brand. It has really cool sugar skulls on it. And uh, the brand itself is just really uh, tropical, fruit-forward IPA. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm drinking the New England you have on now. What was this one called? Stormy Skies. Stormy Skies. So what, what would be the difference between this That's, and that? It's a great question. So uh, it, it's kind of a, a blending of a lot of different beers that we make. We make this beer called Go Birds, which is a hazy, juicy pale ale. We also make the Stormy Skies, which is a nice New England-style IPA. We also make Jersey Juice, which is another New England IPA. It's kind of a blend of all those three flavors, but the big two paramounts are uh, tropical fruit. So we're thinking grapefruit, pineapple, a little bit of mango, papaya, okay, uh, and, and that haze and juice, which hazy New England, for those that don't know what that actually connotates to, it's meaning super, super flavor and aroma and reduced bitterness. So the bitterness level of that beer is dramatically reduced to just make it more drinkable, uh, but it is still an IPA, uh, so it has that hops and dry hopping that most people look for, uh, as well as the mouthfeel and texture that they're looking for from those unfiltered IPAs. Yeah, and one of the other differences between Stormy Skies and Hazy Bones would be alcohol content. So for some people, it's important to have more than just one. Uh, Hazy Bones is going to roll out about 6.3%. That Stormy Skies is 8.3%. So there's a yeah, little bit of a, there's a little bit of a difference in there. <laughs> Not going to say I can tell, but I can tell. <laughs> you haven't even had the other one yet. No, but I'm saying I can tell this is eight. Don't yell at me, Jeez. that beer the beer that you tried. Oh shit, you're right. That beer you tried is uh, it's, it has an interesting story the way it got its name and the way it came to be. Uh, we had a gentleman Please. that worked on our production line. He primarily worked on our keg line, so literally filled kegs all day long of all the different beers that we make. And uh, his name is Mike Jadick, and Mike uh, was not a brewer here at the time, but he entered a homebrew competition in the state of New Jersey. And uh, they disqualified him because they found out that he worked here at Flying Fish even though he wasn't a brewer. We tried his recipe and we tried his beer that he had been brewing as a home brewer at home and decided that, that the beer was good enough uh, 
that we needed to make it and, and produce it and put it in cans and put it out there to the world. So that beer almost didn't come to be. And the reason it's named Stormy Skies is the, the legend goes, uh, uh, apparently every time Mike would brew this beer in his garage, the, uh, the heavens would let loose and he would just have a major storm. So it just came to be naturally Stormy Skies because his wife would be like, what are you making? I'm making that beer that has a storm every time I make it. So Stormy Skies. Rainmaker, baby. I can relate yeah, to that. Stormy Skies. Well, thanks, Mike. Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed it. So great job. So, cool. So, uh, so he's a brewer now? He has become he's a brewer since that time. Awesome. Uh, so uh, like Kirk said, man, you start cleaning kegs and, and you start brewing beer. Yeah. That's exactly right. He had aspirations to become Started a brewer. And uh, one of our brewers... Uh, also has aspirations of running a brewery uh, from soup to nuts production-wise one day and decided to come off the brew deck and start to be our packaging lead so he could learn that side of the business, which opened up a spot, gave an opportunity for two of our other brewers to move up the ladder, so to speak, and for Mike to slide over from uh, keg filler to the brew house. So Awesome. Yeah, wow. it's very cool. Growth from within, much like the Sixers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. Ideally. Um, anything else you guys have want to plug want to talk about anything no just really appreciate you guys coming here uh, I guess the only other thing that we'll throw out there Kirk mentioned Hazy Bones is coming in December and on a prior conversation he talked a little bit about our variety pack reintroducing people to our beers our variety pack is going to have a whole new lineup by the end of the year as well there's five beers in there currently three are going to be totally brand new uh, so please Look, in, look for it wherever you buy beer, and if you can't find it, go on flyingfish.com. Under the beer section, we have a beer finder. So nice. you can sit on your couch and find exactly where you can find flying fish before you get up to go shop. Yeah, and if you want to know what we think about them, make sure to follow us on Untapped at Process Potables. We'll tag everything we drank here. We'll check in here, so if you need to find the place you'll find it on there. I'm gonna delete every review that's bad though. <laughs> Just administration. Smart. Oh, oh, that's that's not good. Ne- never, never from us. We, we know how to, we know how to play the game. We we know a little bit about our marketing and and research too. So we sure. we know what to do to uh you know to make sure we keep the connection strong. Oh, you're good guys. So. I, I'm I'm happy you guys came out. And honestly, we we do appreciate honest feedback. We we take Untapped as a direct consumer source to kind of guide some directions. It's funny, one of the beers we made, Trade Winds, uh, it's a tropical wheat beer, which is actually going to be a That's summer what, seasonal for us this next. year. So, so good. It tastes like Hawaiian Punch. It's got passion for guava. Oh, we had no idea that that beer was performing so well until an online beer, uh, it's basically like a... Uh, it's a beer retailer yeah, like out a, of Oregon. Right, they hit us up and said, it's a top 10 nationally trending beer. And we were like, uh, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. Thank you for telling us. Uh, we already knew that. Right. So uh, it's it's really great for customer feedback because it does guide some of our decisions in the future. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for having us. We appreciate it very much. So far, can't say enough about how tremendous the beers have been. Have been. Christ. I suck at this. <laughs> I'm going to go get another one. Thank you for having us. Deal. Appreciate thank it. you, guys. So much, appreciate guys. it, too.